Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. All right, hey, let's pray. Would you join me in prayer right now? Lord, thank you so much for today. We can be here today and just to enjoy you and your presence and your love and experience you. Lord, I just, I know you have some very specific things that you want to do in all of us here today. There's some words, there's some breakthrough, there's, there's, a, there's a mindset shift. Some of us, we're just going to say yes to you today. Uh, and there's a lot of us here that just need to say yes to certain things that you're speaking to us today, Lord. I just want to start right now, Lord, by just giving you the glory, thanking you for all that you've done for us, and how great, how good you are, Lord. Uh, we praise you for that, Lord, and we want to respond to that. We want to respond to you and follow you wherever you lead us, all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be, be seated. Well, we've been in the series called Open Heaven, and I love that we sang that song too, by the way, this morning, just declare that open heaven over our life. What a great time of worshiping God here this morning. And uh, it felt like I, I wanted to come back around and really change up the plan, change gears for, for today. We're coming back to a Jesus movement, which is a series we've done a couple of times this, this year. It's kind of the theme of the year. We wanna see a Jesus movement. We wanna be a part of a Jesus movement. And as I've been preparing for my trip to Kuwait, this, this week I get to go to Kuwait. And I get to be a part of Pastor Tim's network of churches. It's really a global network, Life Community, or Life Connection Church Global. I get to be a part of their global discipleship conference this Friday in Kuwait. I actually was a part of it last year, but I preached online right here in this room to the conference. And so it was just not as exciting, obviously. It's just me by myself here in this room. Uh, But this year, I get to go and be a part of it live. They're doing it live again, finally, for the first time in three, four years. And they invited me to be a part of it. And so I'm excited to go. And, and as I was preparing for that, this word that I'm preparing, I just felt so compelled, guys, like we need this for our church too. And so I'm gonna speak this morning some of what I'm gonna share uh, this week. And if you think of me, pray for me. Friday night, I'll be speaking at this conference in Kuwait. In fact, it'll be actually Friday morning for you guys, Friday night. So if you're here for Encounter Friday night, don't pray for me then because I'll be way too late. Uh, I'll be getting up Saturday morning, eating breakfast about the time you guys are here Friday night for encounter. So Friday morning, if you think of me, uh, do that. I think it's about a 10-hour time difference, but looking forward to this trip, looking forward to what I can just learn and just see Pastor Tim. He's the bishop of this whole network of global churches and how they do discipleship. Looking forward just to learning a lot from them, and uh, it's going to be fun. And so I want to come back to this message uh, this series called, It's a, uh, a Jesus Movement, and the message is called this. 
It's basically answering the call. I want to talk about you and I answering the call here this morning. Here's the good news. You want some good news? Here's good news for you. You have a calling on your life. Did you know that? You have a calling on your life. It's what you were born to do, what you were created for. There is a calling that you have. A lot of people live their whole life and they want to know what that is. They seek to find it. They, they think it's certain things and we can miss out on this calling that we are all born for because a lot of people just feel like, well, maybe it's just, it's, it's having a good family, living a good life and, and working a good job and we just kind of settle for that. But your calling is much bigger than that. And it's actually even more simple than that too. But you got a calling. Remember when you were little and everyone asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Remember that question? I used to get asked that all the time. What do you want to be when you grow up? And so when I was little, I was like, Superman? I want to be Superman. And then it was Incredible Hulk because he was cooler. And no one says to a little kid, no, that's stupid. You can't do that, right? Even though it's like impossible. Like we still are like, oh, that's awesome. You go be that Superman. But then as I grew up, I remember I wanted to be a log truck driver for a while because I had family that did log truck driving. Then I wanted to be a veterinarian, and then I wanted to be an optometrist, and then I wanted to be an NBA superstar, and then I wanted to be a computer programmer. You, you, you know how it changes through the years, right? And some of you are like, I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to be when I grow up, right? Still trying to figure it out. Someday, when I grow up, maybe I'll figure it out. Um, you know, they say that the two most important days of your life are the day that you're born and the day you find out why. Do you know why you're born? Do you know why you have life? It's one of the important questions in life. Why am I here? What is the purpose for my existence, for our existence? It's one of the four philosophical questions in life. If you like to go philosophical, these are the questions. Where am I from? Why am I here? What can I do? Where am I going? What happens when all this is over too? So every worldview, by the way, every religion seeks to answer these four questions. They have their answer of these. I happen to believe that Christianity has the most logical, the most reasonable answer to all four of these worldview philosophical questions. Starting with origin, moving into purpose and meaning and, and, and where we're going after all this is done. But today, the focus is this. It's why am I here? What's my purpose? What is the meaning of my life? And so we're gonna go to this book a lot today. This book that stood the test of time has a lot to say about who you were called to be. So let's go back to Psalm 139. Andrew just read that. We'll just read a few of the verses. Verse 13, Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Can we just stop right there and acknowledge how odd that thought is? Have you ever thought about that? You ever looked at your mom and thought, I was in your belly? <laughs> you ever done that? Like, that's just really interesting, even odd to think about. And so David, the psalmist, is, is acknowledging that. God, you did that. When I was in my mama's belly, you were forming me, everything about me. And so he goes on to say, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. 
how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion and I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Think about that. God knew everything about you before you were ever born. And that's good news right there. He had plans every day, every moment. He knew before you were born. And Paul said this to the Ephesians. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned when? Long ago. He planned for those things for us long ago, even before you were born. God had good things planned for you. Then Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. You know, people forever want to know what's their purpose, what's their calling, what's their meaning in life. And so we search for it in, you know, trying to be a good person, raising a family, looking for that right job, that right that right career. And, and again, like I said, some people go their whole life and they never truly figure out what their calling is, what their real, true calling is. And here's the good news. God knows. Jeremiah 29, 11. God says, I know. I know the plans that I have for you. And so I think it's important for you and I to go to him to ask, to go to his word and say, God, what is, what is the calling? What's the purpose of my life? And it's so clear. And it's so awesome, and it's so amazing, and it's so simple, and it's even crazy to think that God knew and he called you before you were even born. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? And so here's what we see. God has plans for you, but here's where it starts. God's plan is himself. That's where it starts. It's not in a job or a career or anything else. It's all about him. It starts with him because he's all about relationship. And we can forever get tripped up by the specific plans. And I want to know the plans and what's the plan for this. And and it's really about a person. It's about him. We want help making the decisions. And God is saying, hey, just focus on trusting me through all the things you're going through. We want to know, like, who's the right person for me to marry in, in, in our life, right? And God's like, I am the person that you really need. We stress over so many things in life. And we want to know, what's the future hold? And God says, I am your future. What's your plans? What's your calling for my life, God? What's, what's, what's your will for, for my life? And God says, I am your will. God's plan is himself. This is where it starts because he's all about relationship. That's the calling that you have on your life. It is to be in relationship with God. It's bigger. It's more important than your job, your career, At the same time, like I said, it's so simple. It's just a call to be in a relationship with God. We are called to know God. That's what it is. You are called to know him. God wants, God already knows you, but he wants you to know him. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we see in this verse here, the love of God. God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that we wouldn't perish because our sins that have separated us from God have also sentenced us to eternal 
damnation, eternal separation from God. And so there's going to be this eternal spiritual death that we have because of our sins, because of our rebellion against God and not doing his thing and trusting him and following him. Uh, but Jesus paid the penalty of that so that we don't have to. And when we accept what Jesus did, we can have that eternal life. Yeah. We're saved from our sins. We're saved from eternal hell, from eternal separation from God. That's the love of God because he didn't want you to go there. And then later on in John, Jesus says this, and this is eternal life. This is what it means, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What's it mean to have eternal life? It's to know him. We are called to know God. That's the calling that you have on your life. Don't stress about all these other things. Just make sure you focus on that first and foremost, every single day of your life. It's all about your relationship with him. Peter recognized this. He said this in his second letter that he wrote. He said, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life, which I just love that sentence. As a follower of Jesus, as a believer, you have everything you need to live a godly life because the spirit of God lives inside of you. You have everything you need because he is with you and he is in you. You have everything you need for living a godly life. And then he goes on to say, we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Paul echoed the same words. He said, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. And so he's writing back to some friends and there's some people that are turning away from God. And he's like, you've forgotten. You're missing out on what God has for you. He has called you to himself. This is the calling that we have. Is a calling to him. Isn't this amazing that the God of the universe who created all this, who spoke the galaxies and the stars and the moons and, and, and our world and all the animals, he spoke it all into existence. He created you and I. He breathed life into mankind and he wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants you to know him personally, relationally, intimately. This is an amazing thing. And this is the calling that you have on your life because it's a calling that everybody has on their life, to know God. But it's important we realize that it doesn't stop there because oftentimes that's what we do, right? We stop right there. So I'm in relationship with God and now I just need to focus on me growing and just making sure I become a better Christian. And, and unfortunately, what we've done for years is we've made most discipleship about your personal growth. And so you got to take this class so that you can learn more about God and then you can get closer to him. And then you take this class so that you can become a better Christian and you can learn these things. You take this class, so you can read the Bible and pray more. Now, obviously those aren't bad things, right? I'm not knocking those things. We believe wholeheartedly in those things. But what we've done is we've made it all about that. And so what we, how we view discipleship, how we view following Jesus then is just, it's about me getting closer to Jesus. And that's all we focus on. It's me becoming a better person, becoming a better Christian. Okay, it's, that's good. We want to keep growing, right? In fact, isn't it amazing how the, the closer you get to the Lord, the better he is? 
And I just get this sense today that God is calling you closer to him. That's the call for you today. He's calling you closer, closer to him, closer to his heart. That's the call that many of us need to respond to today. He's calling you. Come closer to me. I got more for you. But if that's all we focus on, then we're missing out on the holistic view of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I would call that like half discipleship or maybe halfway disciples. If our only focus on our discipleship is our own growth, then we're just halfway disciples. It's the best term I could think of. If you have a better term, let me know. Halfway disciples. Okay, so a halfway disciple is someone who is just really just focuses on their own personal growth. And I would say that this is good, this is a start, but then we're still gonna be left with some immaturity in our life. Like we believe in Jesus, we're following him, but it's just about me growing closer to him. In fact, Bill Hull, he said this, this is the false promise of discipleship in today's age. It's the premise that discipleship is about you and I getting closer and closer to Jesus. It's a false promise because that's not all that discipleship is. It's more than that. That's why it's important we understand what does it mean to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? That's why we've taken time to define and articulate a Christian, a disciple of Jesus. And how would you define? What does it mean to be a, a Christian? It's important that we know this. And so this is how we've articulated it here. A disciple is someone who is committed to following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, led by the Spirit of Jesus, and living on the mission of Jesus. That's a holistic view of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's the calling that you and I have in our life, is to be a disciple of Jesus. It begins with you and I knowing him, but it doesn't stop there. It's knowing him. And here's really a good, simple definition of your calling in life. It's to know him and make him known. That's the calling that you have on your life, to know him and to make him known. And I pray that you and I would all respond to that call here today. What I love about this, when you really dig deep into this, you, you realize it's an inward call and it's an outward call. God is calling us closer to him and he's calling us to go out and help other people get close to him as well. It's an inward call and it's an outward call. It's both and. It's not just about just me getting closer to the Lord. We need to do that, but it's also this responding to this call to go and to make him known. And so we see this actually in Jesus' calling of the disciples. So let's look at that Matthew 4 passage again. This is when Jesus called Peter and his brother Andrew. So while he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, uh, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Now, did you notice when they responded to Jesus? Yeah. Did they wait? Did they say, hold on, Jesus. I don't have time. It's kind of a busy season for us right now. It's, it's like the big catch fishing season. So just when we have a little more time, then, then we're right with you. But a little bit later, okay? Got to work through some stuff. Got to maybe grow a little bit more. <laughs> they immediately left their nets and followed him. And are you willing to do that? 
Just immediately leave everything and follow Jesus? <laughs> it's worth noting that Peter and Andrew, they did know who Jesus was. They weren't following a complete stranger. This wasn't some random dude that just walked up to the seashore and said, hey, come and follow me. They're like, all right, all right, sounds fun. <laughs> Do you know who this guy is, Peter? No, no idea. All right, let's follow him. He called us. They knew who he was. Jesus had already been doing ministry. They had heard about him, heard him in his teaching, and they believed that he was the long-awaited Messiah. And so when he looked at them and he said, come, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, they're like, we're in. And we, they dropped everything and they followed him. So notice the progression of what Jesus said here to Peter and Andrew. And we're gonna look at these three little stanzas. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is the calling of a disciple of Jesus right here. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So let's look at these three different stanzas here. Follow me. What does that mean? This is the calling to be in relationship with Jesus and to live under his authority. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Like, I'm willing to follow you, Jesus, wherever you lead me. Okay, discipleship centers around, and it starts around really that relationship with Jesus, right? called to follow him. Uh, we aren't called to follow pastor so-and-so. But, you know, we can easily, in today's media-saturated day and age, we're like, and I go to so-and-so's church. I follow pastor famous over here. You know, it's easy for us to do this. We can all get caught up in, in following this person and this person. I'm all about this. I want to be a part of the bigger, the better, the, the badder, the all, whatever it is. It's easy for us to fall into this trap, and I just want to encourage us, don't become one of those people who are called to follow Jesus. It's easy for people to be enamored with popularity and prestige. We can all go there. Come on, let's be real. We think that this is what it means to be a Christian. Oh, I got to be a part of this. Like, this is real Christianity. I got to be on the stage. If I'm on the stage, then I'm really a Christian. You know, we can develop all these ideas of what I have to do or I should do based upon other people. And what we see them doing and what makes us feel good and what makes other people feel good or what makes us feel more important and we can fall into all those traps. We may not say it or admit it, but we can go there in our hearts, right? So we don't follow personalities. We don't follow organizations. We follow Jesus. Amen. And this, is a, this is, a, is a great word for us in today's time. But what's interesting is this was also a first century church issue too. Do you know that? <laughs> they struggled with the same thing because we are enamored with popularity and prestige and I want to go and be a part of this. and all, you know, uh, Paul had to address the Corinthian church, his first letter to the Corinthians. He said this, chapter one, he only got 12, 13 verses in, which he didn't have verses, but it's the first few sentences. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. And then a few paragraphs later, chapter three, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like the people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? And who is Paul? We are only God's servants whom you believed the good news, through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. 
Paul was addressing the same issue. And it's important that you and I don't get caught up and enamored in following all this. Like, we follow Jesus. That's who we are called to follow. And in doing so, we come under his authority and his direction in our life. He's our king. He is our Lord. Here's what Jesus said, recorded in John 12. Jesus said this, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So it's a call to follow Jesus. So here's the question I want you to wrestle with right now. Am I willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads me? Am I willing? I want you to wrestle with that. Am I willing to do whatever he asks of me, wherever he calls me to go? What if the Lord this week spoke to you and said, drop your job and go be a missionary overseas? Would you be willing to say, Jesus, I'll go. I'll do it. Am I willing to follow Jesus? This is the call, guys, to follow him wherever he leads us. And oh, by the way, wherever he leads you is going to be way more exciting than where you're going to lead yourself. I've learned that firsthand, even for myself, right? I just pray that we would have this posture that we're like, okay, God, it's what we sang a few moments ago, right? Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. I'm going to take this step. My feet may fail, uh, but I'm going to trust in you, God. I'm going to go where I sense you leading me and calling me with my life. Are you willing to live a life like that? That's a life of radical abandonment, abandonment, of radical commitment, but that's the calling that Jesus has placed on your life. Come and follow me. Are you willing to follow Jesus wherever he leads? He might speak some crazy things to you. Are you willing to say yes? He might call you to open up your home to some people to move in and live with you and minister to them and, and just provide a place for them to be a part of your family or be a part of your life. He, he might ask you to uh, share your faith with somebody this week. Go share your faith and speak to them. Are you willing to say yes and go and do that? Uh, he might even call you to do something crazy like adopt a child. He might be calling you just to Come closer to me this week. Spend more time with me this week. Hey, why don't you show up Tuesday night for that prayer, that prayer time? And come and just pray with some people. Spend more time with me. Come Friday night. Just enjoy my presence with God's people and worship and prayer Friday night. There might be a calling of that. He might speak to you and say, I want you to give up blank. And if he calls you to give up something, to get it out of your life, to stop doing it, to, to sell it, to whatever it is. Are you willing to say yes to Jesus even in that? Here's what I think, guys. I think that our life shouldn't make sense to other people who aren't believers except Jesus. Like, I pray that people look at you and they're like, you're crazy. You're like, I know. Like I see, like, but, but, but when they say crazy, they're like, there's something different about you. That's what they're saying. There's something so different about you. What is it? Why are you always so happy? You're walking through stuff. You're so happy. Why is it that you guys saw that skip in your step? Why is it that you say all these things? You do all these things. You're like, Jesus changed my life. I'm just following him wherever he leads me. I think that our life should not make sense to other people except Jesus. This is the calling. It's easy for us to get caught up in being comfortable and, and just complacent and just kind of doing our thing, going through the motions. It's so easy for us, guys, so easy. 
We can be more concerned about our comfort than our calling on our life. And I just want to encourage you to say yes to your calling. And saying yes to calling is oftentimes saying yes to being uncomfortable. Let's be real. But that's when you grow, isn't it? When you're uncomfortable. It's nice to have those moments of Netflix and chill and be comfortable, right? But we don't want to live life there. We don't live for comfort. We live for the calling of Jesus. That's, the, that's what we live for. So I pray that we'd be people who say yes to the calling that Jesus has placed on our life. Uh, it's a call to, uh, to, to lay down our life and go wherever he leads. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, when a Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's the calling. So Jesus says, follow me, follow me. And he's saying the same thing to you today, follow me. And then he says, I will make you. I will make you. What does this mean? This is Jesus transforming our lives to become more like him. That's what he wants to do. He's the one who does the making, the changing, the transforming from the inside out. Hey, good news again. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay the same right now. He wants you to grow. He he has change and transformation for you. His desire for us is that we would grow and that we would allow him to change us from the inside out, that his desires would become our desires. You know that you really have two desires at war within you. As a follower of Jesus, you have the desires of that sinful nature that still rears its ugly neck up, right? And then you got the desires of the Holy Spirit. And so it's, what am I going to say yes to? Who am I going to allow to rule and dominate my life? And we want to let the Spirit lead us and guide us in our life. And the Holy Spirit is all about changing people and transforming you and I to become more and more like Jesus. So we got to allow him to do this. Allow him to do this work within us. He does the work we allow him to work and change us from the inside out. And I love what Romans says about this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Another way to say God's will is God's call. Same thing, right? God's call in your life. It's good, It is pleasing. It is perfect. Did you know that? When you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to something that is good for you. You will find pleasure in it, and it is perfect for you. That's pretty cool. And so we've got to stay on this journey of allowing Jesus to change us by his spirit from the inside out, and he does that through the renewing of our our mind. It's the renewing of our mind. We spent a whole month talking about this last February. If you want to go back and listen to those messages, uh, just It's so important that we focus on our mind and let God transform us in our thinking. And uh, the the New Living says, changing the way that you think. I I love that. So we're not called to live like the world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let Jesus change you and transform you to become like him so that you can walk in God's calling for your life. And so it really begins with this desire. Life transformation begins with the desire. Who am I going to live for? What am I going to allow to rule my life? And if I don't have a desire to grow, if you and I don't have a desire to pursue God, have you ever noticed that we won't? You ever notice that? Like, I don't feel like it today. Like, let's be real. Some people aren't here today because they didn't feel like it. And we've all been there too, lest we judge them, right? We've all been there, right? Okay. I don't feel like it today. 
Okay? <laughs> if I don't feel like growing and growing closer to the Lord, and that consistently happens, I just won't do it consistently, right? And so it starts with this desire, and life transformation comes through God just renewing our mind and, and changing the way we think, and really he begins changing our desires. Our mind is the battlefield of our desires, and so we got to submit ourselves to God and allow him to renew us, to renew our thinking, so that our thinking is in the right place. Paul said this to the Philippians. He says, for God is working in you. He's working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I love this. He's working in you, friends. God's working in you. And here's what he's doing. He is giving you the desire to do what pleases him, and he's giving you the power to do it as well. And as you and I live a life that pleases God, here's what happens. We find that there's actually more joy in that. Like, I have more pleasure in living a life pleasing God. Have you noticed that? There's more pleasure in that. Why? Because that's what you were created for. You and I were created, and we were called to know him, to grow in him, to please him. And as we do that, we find pleasure in that. So the goal is this, is that, uh, we let him change us by allowing the Spirit to work in us. And I would say the goal is to live by the Spirit in our life, to live by the Spirit or to walk by the Spirit. Because we can't change in our own strength and our own power. We gotta allow God to move and work in us. We gotta allow his Spirit to do this. Galatians 5.16 says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature. So you live by the Spirit Basically, you're saying yes to the Spirit in your life, letting the Holy Spirit lead you in your life so that you're not letting your sinful nature, your flesh, lead you in your life. Those are the two desires that is at war, right? And so we want to walk by the Spirit or live by the Spirit. The more we do that, the more we can see God move in us, and the more we can see God move through us, the more he's able to change us from the inside out. The Lord does this. He is Spirit. Paul said this in his second letter to the Corinthian church, and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It is God by his spirit that does the changing. And it takes time. It takes time when you and I just spend time with him. This is the whole remain in me or abide in me. Next week, we kick off our summer series. And it is called Abide or Die. That's the name of our summer series. So we're going to do a whole series this summer about living life by the Spirit. And what happens is the fruit of the Spirit come out of our life. We're going to walk through all the different fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to have some fun with this series. It starts next week. We kick it off. Abide or die. That's really what happens. If we, if we remain in Him, we stay alive. If we abide in Him, we stay alive. If we don't, we die. Those are the two options, right? So... We're gonna have fun with that this summer, but let me end this section here by saying this. We become like that which we spend time with. So this is all about you and I spending time with him because we become like that, whatever that is, which we spend time with, whatever who we spend time with, right? Maybe we should change to that. We become like that which we spend time with. And we want to become more and more like Jesus. That's the calling that you have in your life. Follow him. He will make. He'll do the change. And he's going to do all this. So follow me. I will make you. And then it ends with fishers of men. Fishers of men. What's this mean? 
This is the call to be on mission with Jesus to make disciples. This is the calling that we all have as disciples of Jesus, to follow Jesus, and he will make you, he will change you, he will work in your life, and ultimately he wants to make you into a fisher of men. And I love that Jesus uses this language here because he's speaking to a bunch of fisher guys. And so he's, like, he's speaking their language, right? Hey, you guys, you fish for fish? Come and follow me and you're gonna fish for people. They're like, oh, okay. So we get to keep fishing, great. Because in their mind, they're probably thinking, I know fishing. If he said, follow me and I'm gonna teach you how to make disciples of me, they'd be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But he's, he used their language, don't you love this? You'll be fishers, not of fish, but of people. So that's the calling right there. And so that's what they did. Peter and Andrew, 10 other people. There's actually a whole group of people that followed Jesus around for years. And they were trained and they were discipled by Jesus. They, they developed this relationship with him. They grew. He sent them out. They lived all this time with Jesus. And then it came to the end. Jesus went through the cross. On the other side, he says, okay, guys, your turn. This is what it's all culminating to now. I've taken care of the salvation issue. I've paid the penalty of death for your sins and the sins of the world. Now it's your turn. And this is what we would call the great commission. We could actually call it the great calling. Because this is the back end of we're called to know him, but also to make him known. So this is the calling, the great calling that we have. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. I love how the New Living says that. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a great promise from Jesus right there. So go, make disciples. And just know this, as you do that, I'm with you. And then a little while after that, Jesus gathers them one last time. He says, okay guys, before you do this, one more thing. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to go back to that place, to that room where we had that last supper. And I want you to wait because I'm gonna send that gift I've been talking about, the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what Bonnie just talked about. What happened to her just a month or two ago. She's hanging out here on just regular Sunday, just like this. And the Holy Spirit baptized her in fire. And those of you who know Bonnie, you know it changed her. And it was God changing her through the empowerment of his spirit. And so Jesus said this in verse eight, says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So it was a calling that they had, not just to know Jesus, but now go make me known. No, by the way, I'm gonna be with you and I'm gonna empower you. That's why I want you to wait. Before you start this, make sure you wait for the gift, the empowerment, the boldness that I'm gonna give you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they did. And the rest is history. Don't you just love this? Like, Jesus partners with us 
and he empowers us for the mission. He's partnering with you and he's empowering you for the mission. We're not doing this on our own. For the disciples, at first they were like, this doesn't make sense. Like Jesus, you're gonna leave, but then you're gonna still be with us wherever we go. That doesn't make sense. Like we kind of like it right now, Jesus. Like this is working out pretty good. Like you, you, you lead us, we just go wherever you lead, you teach, you heal. Like this is a pretty good deal. Why don't we just keep this going? And Jesus is like, no, I gotta go so I can send my spirit so that wherever all of you go, individually, I will be with you. Isn't that cool? And so even for you and I, as followers of Jesus, we're gonna leave and we're gonna scatter out of this room across the valley today. We're gonna across the world this week and everywhere we go, God is with us. Isn't that awesome? He, he, he partners with us for the mission and he empowers us for the mission as well. You're not doing this alone. I just want you to know, you can do greater things than you realize because of who lives inside of you. You can do greater things than you realize because the Spirit of Christ lives in you. God is using ordinary people all over the world. God's using ordinary people right here in our city to reach people, to not just know Him, but to make Him known. So I love sharing stories. You know, we've shared quite a few stories over the last couple of years, but one a few months ago, I remember like this blind guy came to faith in Jesus, put his trust in Jesus. And then he was being discipled. And he's like, I wanna go tell people. They're like, you're blind. Like, how are you gonna go out and do all this? He's like, I, I can do this. And so he got in a taxi, went, this is in Africa, got in a taxi, went to the next village and led some people to Jesus. Started discipling, planted a church, went to the next village. Led some people to Jesus, started discipling, planted a church. Like this blind dude started making disciples and planting churches. God just uses ordinary people like you and me to do this because he partners with us and he empowers us to do the mission. And he can use you. Ordinary, simple you. And we just wanna help encourage you and equip you to live out the calling that Jesus has given you on your life. That's the kind of church you wanna be. We don't wanna be a church that's all about, hey, just grow closer to Jesus and let's just make sure that we get all that he has for us until he returns. Let's not have that mindset. Let's do that and let's make him known to the world around us. So we've got lots of groups already going that, what I love about our church now is there are groups happening that a lot of you have no idea that are happening. People are being discipled and they don't even know they're being discipled. They don't even believe in Jesus yet, but they're close, they're pre-Christians. And they're close to saying, yes, we got people that are Jewish in a Jesus Bible study right now. We got atheists, skeptics, people that are coming out of Jehovah Witnesses, just like all this stuff is happening and people are being discipled in groups that aren't part of our programming of our church. I just love that. It's because it's just you and me, ordinary people just going and just helping people grow. You can do this, which is why we have the group to help start a group. That's what we wanna do. I wanna be a church that's all about like, 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 hey, how many small groups you got, Tyrone? Uh, I don't know, I think we have about 150. I don't know. I think there's a couple hundred. These people are starting them all over the place. I can't even keep track of how many. We don't program it and train up leaders and do a 10-week thing and then and stop and take a break. Let's all take a break. 
That was hard. Wow, ten, that 10 weeks, guys. I only made eight of them, but... You know, and again, okay, sorry, I'm getting a little... Maybe a little too uh, mean, real. Um, but yeah, um, because there's a time and place for those. There is. Some of us did the Knowing God group last January, February, March. It was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. But God can use you to start your own group too at your workplace. We got people that are meeting with their bosses, discipling their bosses at their workplace right now. So Jaden, who sang that Oceans, who is one of the worship leaders up here, Jaden, had a Bible study with her friends last fall. Several of her friends got saved. Here's a picture of one of them who got baptized last fall. Put her faith and trust in Jesus, got baptized last fall. And all that took place outside of the church. And it's, it's just awesome when God's people are just like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do my best to do this. And I just wanna be a church like that. That's just seeing us ordinary people just go and make him known. That I'm just, I'm following Jesus. And once you know, he's making me into a fisher of people. He's doing it, not me. Because here's the deal, on our own, we, we, we can't. And most of us wouldn't. But he's the one who does it. Man, I just pray that we'd be a church full of just a whole bunch of groups that people are just, you're discipling your friends and your coworkers and your family and your neighborhood and all that. That's, that's the vision, friends. You can do this. And it's the calling that you have on your life. He's called you. It's a call to discipleship. You know what? I think about Peter and Andrew. Jesus came to the shore. Hey, come and follow me, guys. They dropped everything to follow him. What a mindset. There wasn't a whole group of people that are like, yay, Peter and John, good job. You can do it, guys. We believe in you. You're called by Jesus. It's awesome. Nobody applauded them. They didn't get any rewards or recognition. I happen to believe they had no idea what they were getting themselves into. All they knew was the Messiah had called them, and they followed. And sometimes that's all you need to know, friends. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but he's called me. In fact, you're going to face persecution. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to look down on you. People are going to mock you. You're going to be overlooked for promotions. You might lose jobs. You might lose like friendships because of this. You face persecution, and you're going to be like, is this worth it? I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like so many of us, we've been there. And in those moments, this is all we can fall back on. Jesus called me. And so since he called me, I'll keep going. All right, Jesus, you call me here now? Okay. With this person here? Okay. Friends, it gets so hard. It is not easy. This is why comfortable Christianity is so fun, much more fun to us. We think, but honestly, the joy of discipling somebody, there's so much joy in this that we, once we step out of the fear and break through that, it's, it's incredible. There's a greater joy in that. And... I just want you and I to experience it. It's difficult. It's hard. You wonder, is it worth it? And sometimes all you can land on is this. He's called me. I'll keep doing it. This isn't easy, Jesus, but I know you've called me. So I'm going to keep going. Sometimes the calling is all you can, you can land on. 
there's more than three billion people in this world that need Jesus. I love what Acts 13, 36 says, after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. <laughs> the last half of that verse is just awesome, right? Did you love that? Died, buried with his ancestors, his body decayed. Like, did you have to include all the details? Like, and that's, that's where we're all gonna be someday, right? Unless Jesus returns before that, right? You're gonna die, you're gonna be buried with your ancestors, and your body is gonna rot underground. That is awesome. But the first half of this is inspiring. David did the will of God in his own generation. There's a calling on your life. There's a will, a plan, a calling that God has for you in your generation. Are you gonna say yes to this calling? Someday it'll all end, but you have the opportunity now to say yes to the calling that Jesus has placed on your life. The call to follow him and he will make you to be fishers of men. Are you willing to answer the call to really just to know him and to make him known through your life? That's the calling that you have on your life. Would you stand? Let's pray. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.